listening to The Journey Podcast. The Journey is a college and young adult ministry of Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Y'all give it up for the Lord this evening. All right. <laughs> that, that was all right. I think we can do better. Yeah, clap a little bit louder. There we go. All right. Yeah. If I said for me, that would have made sense, but I said for Jesus, so like, you got to clap louder. Um, Hey, real quick before I get started with this sermon, I just want you to think about something, lock it away. We're going to bring it back in towards the the end. So don't blurt it out loud. I'm saying it for you blurter outers right now. Don't blurt out yet. Um, But think internally in terms of experiences that you could have or things that you could attain on this earth in a non-spiritual sense. I want you to think about the best thing that you could experience on this earth or have or attain and and lock that away, okay? Um, And so I want you to just picture that. And so we're taking out spiritual realities. And so this is actually one of the only times I'll tell you the answer is not Jesus, okay? So just just lock that away. And then um, also I want you to be thinking about in terms of what you could experience on this earth and not spiritual reality, because that's also an easy answer. I want you to think about maybe like the worst thing that you could experience. I don't want you to think about it too much, all right? Maybe just real quick if it comes and just lock it away. And so here's the deal. Here's what's great. Um, Some of you have already zoned out. I just saw someone space out like literally just now. So if you space out anytime during the sermon, just go to that place because at least it'll be in the ballpark of like purposeful thoughts, all right? So that's where we're gonna go. Y'all good? Y'all got it? Thumbs up if you got it. You know, the best and worst. Okay, awesome. You're like, what a terrible way to start a sermon, and I agree. Um, so I want you to look over here to this side, um, this, this banner that we have next to the speaker, and also over here. Um, these are, if you've been coming for a while, maybe things that you don't hear um, a lot or just kind of values that we sort of promote, not every single week, but they are definitely values that we do talk about. And what we decided to do, we have two, uh, we have four total banners like that um, and two really big ones that we'll start using again in the fall. But we got these this week. I was excited to roll them out, not because they look cool, but they do. And by the way, uh, Jenny Hicks helped with some of that design idea and what we should do. You did. You were in the conversation. Yeah. She just, does, she's being modest. Um, one of them you really did. We haven't busted it out yet because it has like a background picture of me. I think it's kind of vain. And so I don't want to get it out till I have to. Uh, just being real with you, I, it just feels vain. Anyway, but um, let's cut that part of the podcast out, David. We're recording right now. Um, so reaching the unreached. Um, that was something uh, right when I first came that I was sort of thinking about. We, we had Better Before Bigger. I'm going to get there in a minute. But I was thinking, you know what? Our college ministry um, and a lot of college ministries that are healthy and thriving, which I believe ours is, you know what, we're a great place uh, for the college student that is for sure already seeking a good college ministry. I'm like, if anyone were to say that, I'd be like, yeah, come here. I'm biased, all right? But I, I was like, I think this would be a great place to go. And I think too, that you could say that there was um, a reach outside of maybe someone who would already have come even if we didn't exist. Does that make sense? And so I'm thinking that a lot of ministries exist um, and because they exist, 
people come to them that are already looking for a place. But I think one of the things that I would love for our ministry to be about is that because we exist, people that would have never considered Jesus or especially walking into a church might do so. Does that make sense? And so that's one mark or signature that I think that is, that's unique for Christians, right? That's something that like, think about a, a business. A business does not care. They're like, hey, as long as the money is rolling in, like, we don't care where it comes from or how, or the people that are spending money on our product now, let's just get them to spend more, right? That's not something that they think about to make sure that someone who does not have hope and, and love and joy would be able to, to find it. And then of course we have better before bigger. And the ideology of that really was something that Brandon Hayes began to sort of speak out loud even before I came, briefly before I came. And I, I heard it and I heard his explanation. I was like, dude, that's awesome. I'm gonna take that and run with it. And so the idea is that, man, from 2000, well, I'll just say the past three or four years uh, started with a, with a group of about 30 or 40, like even in the fall. So the group size you see in here is a summer, right? Summer group that we have. Um, this was even our size in the fall all year round, which that, that's fine. That's great. Lots of people that love Jesus, but they began to grow a lot as the, the reach on campus increased. And I think a lot of people got excited and, and wanted people to come experience what they were experiencing in the journey. This is all before I got here. And so what happens is the journey experienced pretty rapid, rapid growth to where like it, it's common, especially in, in the fall to see well over, over 200 those first couple weeks. And then that's just kind of, kind of where, where we sit. And I'm not talking about numbers to both. I'm just saying that's usually where we're about. Um, but one of the things that Brandon saw that was so important is that, hey, as we grow numerically, we need to make sure that we're still healthy, that we're keeping the main things, the main things. And so we, we, just, we came up with this, that we want to always have in our hearts a desire to be better, a desire to be healthy, a desire to be biblical over big. Does that make sense? That that would always be at our heart. So if we ever saw anything in our ministry in terms of like outward, oh, nice, bro. That was, I love that. I wish I could have timed that just a little bit later in the sermon. That would have been awesome. Like, bam. Um, but if there's anything happening in our ministry, sort of outward, big type growth, if that is negatively affecting our ability to love people, to shepherd people, to make them have a home here, to be biblical, to be healthy, then we're going to stop and, 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 and think about that. Now, I want you to think again, like secular companies, uh, some of them do, but a lot of them don't think about like, hey, what makes money? Like bigger is better, right? All the time. It doesn't matter because bigger means more money to our eyes, just to people when they see something big and explosive, like they usually are attracted to that thing just on the basis of its size, right? And so that's another kind of signature, I, I think, that is not just really unique to our ministry. I think these are biblical ideas. Those are things and qualities that I think set apart just our ministry and others like our ministry apart totally from non-Christians from the world. Are you tracking with that? So here's what we're gonna dive into tonight and it's the question of whenever, um, would you agree just sometimes life is hard? By raise of hand, sometimes life is hard. Okay, just keep easing into your 20s and you'll get there if you didn't raise your hand. Um, <laughs> but sometimes life can be hard for everybody, the Christian and non-Christian, the unbeliever and the believer. And so because of that, what might set apart the believer from the non-believer when life gets difficult? Because I think that's important, right? Because if there's no difference, 
<laughs> Dude, just like go home, right? Like don't, don't worry about it. If there's nothing that we can have, if there's no way that we could approach difficulties in life that would be better or even a better posture or mindset or, or way that, I mean, something that lodge away in your heart to give you hope or whatever, then, then I would just say go home. Now, I'm not going home. I'm gonna stay here for a while and I believe scripture answers it. So y'all turn to, to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 12. Someone just say it out loud. Really, really quick and simple. Really short verse. What does it say? Rejoice in, be patient in, be constant in. That's good. Y'all got it, right? Y'all got it? Y'all doing that? Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Easy enough, right? That's literally all it says. It's one verse. Isn't that crazy? That's all it says. And somehow we're gonna get the answer to that. I don't know how we're gonna do it. Um, let me, look, look, let me look, look at my notes. Romans 12, 12. What sets Christians apart when it comes to dealing with life's difficulties? Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Caveat, I want you to still hang on. I don't think I'm gonna say anything that's gonna surprise you, but that doesn't mean that it's not. Powerful, because it's from scripture. And so here's the first thing I think. Christians are set apart by having an eternal hope and joy. Now, where am, where am I getting that eternal thing from? And so rejoice in, in hope. Uh, rejoice is like, you see another word in there, joy, right? You see that? In hope. And, and what is hope? Anyone want to take a shot at hope? What, what does hope mean? I hope the Cowboys win. That's probably not biblical hope because then, mm -mm, right? Let me help you out. Hope in a biblical sense is, is something that you can place your mind upon that is certain, okay? In a biblical sense, it's something that is certain. So a lot of the ways we use hope, man, I hope this happens, man. She has cancer. I hope that she is is healed. I hope she gets better. Man, I hope it doesn't rain. Man, I hope I can get my car fixed um, for a price that doesn't make me uh, vomit, right? And so like, <laughs> some, some of those things, um, man, maybe they'll happen, but, but you're not sure, right? And so the idea here is that the joy that we can have as Christians and where it's placed, it's actually informed by hope. So also the world's definition of joy is kind of shaky because it's like up one minute, down the next, right? And so Christians have a hope informed joy. I was kind of studying this and a few thoughts I had in Christ. The best thing that could ever have happened to us has happened in, in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so your, your answer that I, that I want you to think about like the best thing that happened to you, I, that's why I said in the earthly realm. And so in terms of ultimate reality, the best thing that has ever happened to you, if you're a believer, has, has already happened. God, God has saved you. And so because of that, in Christ, the hope of heaven is sure. 
One day, like we are, it's not, not a question in Christ. If you're, if you're a believer, it's not a, mm, maybe, like let me see how life turns out. Like it, it doesn't matter. Like even if you fall into a season as a believer where you're kind of drifting away, God has even accommodated for that. And he brings back the prodigal. He brings the prodigal home all the time, every day. If you're in Christ, the hope of heaven is sure. You will be with, with, with God in heaven one day. And so because of that, Christ, our living hope, grants to us a permanent, consistent, reliable, and movable joy. And so I'm not gonna spend too much time on that. What sets Christians apart from believers? It is that we have eternal hope and joy. And so someone just yell it out again. What's Romans 12, 12? Say it out loud, somebody. Thank you, Sarah. I appreciate that. It's good to see you tonight, by the way. You can never leave, by the way. I know you're going to, but let's just pretend like you can't. Um, do what? We're not going to talk about it? Okay, good. Good. David, delete that out of the podcast, too. It's not on the right. Hey, guys, the second one is that Christians are set apart by our endurance. Okay? Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation. One of the things I love, and I encourage you in this, you can do like Bible Gateway, BibleHub.com, is that you can do like little word studies. And I, and I love that because there's some, there's some simplicity to these verses and passages where I think they kind of go over, like not over my head in terms of difficulty, but just kind of like, oh yeah, I know what that means. And I love this because the word for patient here is actually the word for endurance. So endure tribulation, which is suffering. Now, not just any type of suffering. It's actually talking about the kind that you would face because you are a Christian, because you are obedient. It's the type of suffering and opposition that you might experience because of your, the, the things that you would face due to being obedient to God wherever he takes you, things you might have to say to speak truth, things that you might have to not say to be loving. You getting it? And so endurance is fueled by the eternal hope and joy that we just, we just talked about. I, I, love, I love Paul's mind because I think he knows like the hope of heaven, all right, let's go. And he knows that lasts about 30 seconds, right? <laughs> because, then, because then life hits. And then he's got to address another problem. How, how do we handle the fact that we can't just think, mm, heaven's gonna be great someday and that, that solves everything. See, Paul's already there for us. And so I appreciate it. He's thinking, okay, Christians, another mark that you're gonna need to have, you're gonna have to have endurance. You're going to have to have endurance. What I love, and I mentioned this on Sunday, uh, I was grateful to preach in the venue, um, is I think a lot of times, and I don't know why God seems to use this very clearly sometimes, and, and sometimes it's vague, but I think sometimes our suffering is God's chosen vehicle for our sanctification, which means that it's not a, a fun ride in a Porsche, right? <laughs> it's, it's, it, it could be a very bumpy, uncomfortable ride with, with holes in the seats and, and so to speak, to continue the, the car metaphor, all right? And I think what Paul is saying, what he wants us to catch is that if we can learn endurance, it might just be, I don't wanna step on Carrie Underwood's shoes, let Jesus take the wheel for sure, all right? <laughs> but it might just be that if we learn endurance, it puts us in the driving seat of that vehicle. Does that make sense? It puts us in a place of intentionality to where we're dialed in to what God might want to do if we learn endurance. And so I, I was thinking about this, um, the, the various kind of forms of like um, 
persecution or suffering or whatever that I've experienced, the type, the type here. And thanks be to God, there, there hasn't been a lot, uh, I would say, but I definitely, I do remember uh, sitting in, uh, overseas in, in East Asia. I remember sitting at a cafeteria table on a college campus, which by the way, it's not like the sub at Tech. Like they had some of the worst food that you could ever imagine in your entire life. Like it wasn't exciting, but like eating a little rice bowl with some mystery meat or whatever it was uh, at dinner time, sitting with some guys who were Christians and one guy that they brought, it was a friend of theirs um, who, what I ended up finding out was just really excited about telling a Christian how dumb he was. Um, and so we get, end up getting in this conversation um, about just the existence of God. And how we got there was, I, like, it was a very strategic lunch on, or dinner on my part. I, I brought it up, something like, what, do you, what have you guys been thinking about the Bible study that we've been doing? And the guy that they brought, by the way, his name, his English name was Bugs, like Bugs Bunny. I'm not, I'm not kidding. Like there was like funny English names like that. So, so Bugs Bunny, uh, couldn't really take him seriously, but he, uh, he got a little heated just at me introducing that. And I remember um, he got angry, kind of started, I, I would say kind of slandering a little bit. And I remember just the way that he, that he talked to me, the way that he postured himself toward me, I had never experienced before. I never experienced someone that, that hated me just, I mean, he didn't even hear about that I believe in that there's a hell. I mean, we didn't even get there. Like just on the basis that I believe that God exists. Um, and I remember just kind of walking away from that, um, just reminded, man, that is what my brothers and sisters in East Asia, I almost said the country, what they experience every single day, day in and day out. That is the majority of interactions that they have. And so I want to kind of come back over to maybe your reality in your life. And, and, and some of you in, in this room are in a season where you're like still in, in school, tech, LCU, uh, South Plains, maybe doing something online at various schools. Some of you are working in this season, whatever it may be. But one context that I know that you're going to be facing more and more in, in the academy are basically, and it's happening right now. There's a, a women's studies professor uh, that's teaching, maybe it's like feminism or something like that. And she is basically requiring, this is at Tech, requiring her students to affirm, she, she is a, well, sorry, they are a transsexual, um, right? And, and they are requiring their students to uh, affirm that. And if they write a paper with anything against that ideology, I know students, I know the name of a student who was being threatened to, to be failed. Um, there are actually people in the academic circles like Christians that are starting to try to address this and go after, like it's, it's an issue. So where, where I tell you is that actually even your future, your, your grades, your GPA um, could be exposed to suffering in times where you're basically asked, are you going to believe what you know is true about God or to please man and to de deny Christ and deny the gospel, deny his design that he made male and female for human flourishing. Y'all tracking with that? Isn't that crazy? And so I don't wanna just pretend like that stuff is happening in East Asia and communist countries and places like it, it's happening here. And so what the question I would ask you is that our, if that comes your way, if in the workplace, if you are asked not to pray or you're 
made fun of for praying, or if any sort of opposition comes at you just because you're following Christ, I would ask you, would you humbly submit to God and stay in the driver's seat? Or are you going to get out of the car and, and run away to the easier ride? I mean, I just, that's a hard question to think about. But Paul would tell us, friends, that, that endurance is a mark of a Christian. He knows the reality. Who better than the one who was just constantly arrested and, and shipwrecked and, and, and beaten and flogged and all those things like that than Paul to, to call us to that? So friends, if you'll lean into enduring through some difficulty, I, I think the Lord will grow you profoundly. And that's, that's what I experienced overseas. I think what happened, to no credit to myself, going through something like that, finally experiencing opposition for my faith was like putting my sanctification in a, in a Petri dish. Like, like, it, like the experiment of whatever that you could, you could say that I was in, like it, it, it exploded like a catalyst. And I saw all this kind of, of growth happening. And I would wish that for, for you as well. I think here's what it comes down to. Are you willing to experience maybe 70 80, I mean, some of you may live till 90. Like if you haven't ever had Whataburger ever before, you may live until 90 um, <laughs> um, or Taco Bell. Are you willing to go through whatever God may call you in that 70, 80, 90 years, maybe 100 at the most, um, to simply at your last breath trade it for trillions and upon trillions of years of a perfect paradise eternity with your Lord and Savior? I think that's what it comes down to. It seems pretty minimal when you think about it like that. And so what, what are the marks of, of, a, of a Christian? What, what separates us? What sets us apart? It's passages like 2 Corinthians 4, 17. It says this, for this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. It's gonna be, it's gonna be light. Be light. Those of you that have gone through sports, two days, ever tried to run a mile for the first time, it like it seems like it's last in two days and really it was like well, probably only like 10 minutes unless you're really slow like me and maybe 12 minutes, okay? Um, amen, that's right. The light momentary affliction will not compare to glory. All right, so back to Romans 12, 12, 12, 12. Rejoice in hope. Be what? Be patient in? Be what? Constant in prayer. So the last one is pretty simple. Christians are set apart by a solid prayer life. And so how many of you, when you see be constant in prayer, does that, does that kind of freak you out? Like when you, when you think constant in prayer, like by raising, does, does that kind of like seem intimidating? A little bit? None of you are intimidated. Like every single one of you can constantly pray? Really? Like I need to like learn from, actually come up here and preach. Like I don't, I don't I'm not worthy. All right. I really, this is hilarious. I really used to think, I think it was a misleading sermon. A guy was getting really passionate, maybe a little bit legalistic. I used to think that actually the bar, the standard was literally to constantly pray. And I was like, that's, that's tough. Like, cause I got to sleep, right? You know what I mean? So I just thought like, I guess we're, I guess we're being disobedient every night when we go to sleep. You know what I mean? Um, sorry, God, you know, every night I'm falling asleep. I'm sorry, Jesus. I'll try again. You know, like waking up. I'm sorry, God, that was too long. Um, eight hours tonight, man, eight hours without praying. But I really did think that the idea was almost just like constant praying, even if it had to be like just in, in your head. And at the moment that you stopped it, somehow you were disobeying this verse. That's, that's pretty intense. That, that's really hand in hand with my personality. So the good news is, is that as I was studying this, I knew this long before tonight, but as I was studying this, 
Thanks be to God, it does not literally mean a 24-7 nonstop praying. More the idea is that you would persist in prayer. Think about a scenario where you try, um, maybe your first day on the job, and it's really hard, it doesn't go well. If you're persistent, you're gonna come back the next day, right, even though it, it was hard, even though you have literally no experience and no one could expect you to have any experience, right? You're gonna come back again and you're gonna be persistent and, and you're gonna go day by day by day by day and grow in endurance. And so prayer is, is kind, of, kind of like that. It's not, it's not so much even what time of day that you do it per se, it's that it is persistent. It's that there's, there's a pattern in your life um, and, and A to B in that pattern, it's not uh, you are A and then something else or someone else or whatever sort of comfort that you run to. It's that A would be you and B would be God. And he doesn't really give us any law or parameters for how many times a day that has to be or how long per whatever session of prayer uh, you're, you're gonna be talking about or looking at. He just wants you to be persistent in that prayer. One com commentator that I wrote this morning talked about in the context of enduring and difficulties and suffering, he believes that suffering, when we learn to endure, he says it stimulates your faith. It says it's kind of like it activates it. And what I would say is what it brings you into are moments of little decisions, right, where you have to decide, do I really believe that God is real in this moment? Do I really believe that his word is true? Do I actually really think that obeying him and following him is worthy of my entire life and, and all my life given to his glory? It sort of activates that faith. And he says, when that faith is activated, what it faces you with is not a moment to say, look how good I am for obeying God. It faces you with the reality that you actually need help. <laughs> he says, and that's where prayer comes in. He says, a Christian, one of the commentators reading, a Christian, when they pray, is not indicating how spiritual they are or strong in their faith they are. They are actually demonstrating that they have enough self-awareness to realize that they need help and that they are weak and they are actually not strong and they are actually not that spiritual person. And guess, guess what? This is, uh, this, is, this is really good news for all of us, right? Because that, what that means is that when we see someone that has a really good prayer life, it's not like, man, I, I can't wait to get there. No, it's actually like, hey, why don't you posture yourself like you actually need help? Because we all do. And just pray. Allow the high standard of God's calling that Jesus called us to. He's not, he doesn't need to lower the bar just because we can't reach it. Jesus needs to have a high standard because he was perfect and he met it. But when we can't meet that bar, when life seems overwhelming, when it's hard to follow him, don't let that moment discourage you. Let it activate your faith, stimulate your faith, and draw you to your knees. Does that make sense? Isn't that beautiful? And so some of you, like your, your objection is, is like to you, prayer, if you be honest with you, that feeling weak and, and being weak or portraying vulnerability and weakness, like you have like a, a problem with that. Or, or you just, like it doesn't make sense to you. It doesn't resonate with you. And that could be like guys and girls in the room. That could be something that you kind of object to. And so let me give you an example. As I said last week, I, I, was, I was sick, all right? And so Friday, I finally, just, I was just like, I didn't want to have medicine. I didn't want to have to take any stuff. But 
It's like, let's go into the doctor. So Friday, um, check me out, negative COVID, negative strep. And I was just like, man, am I just a wimp? Like, am I just like sick? I don't know what's happening. And so they're like, you know what? We don't know what it is, but we'll give you a, a shot. And my eyes, I was like, okay, all right. So, we, so they gave me a shot, antibiotics, B12, steroid shot, whatever. Not the anabolic steroids, all right. Um, I have to say that. And then, then of course, like prescribe some antibiotics. So good stuff, right? Good stuff. And so as I got that shot, right, in, in the doctor's office, and then later on at the house as I was like popping that antibiotic and, and slamming it down, you know what didn't happen? At the doctor's office is they were giving me the shot in my hip, right? Y'all know where the shots go. Um, <laughs> is that not the worst? Like, can we think of a better way to do this? And we can talk about that later. <laughs> and so... <laughs> You know what didn't happen? They weren't cheering me on and applauding me like, good job, Cole. Like they didn't say that, all right, as I was getting the shot. And believe it or not, my wife, when I got home later and took that amoxicillin, that 500 milligrams of amoxicillin, she did not like, with tears in her eyes, clapping, like, oh, I'm so proud of my husband. What, a, what an amazing accomplishment, right? Why? There is nothing impressive about a grown man like needing to get a shot and an antibiotic to feel better. There's nothing impressive about me needing to say that, hey, I actually, I actually need, need help, <laughs> right? It, it's just, it's just an indicator. Like, I'm just admitting like, hey, I, I, I'm weak and, and I need help. And so what I, the objection that I'm kind of answering is like, even in the physical, biological sense, like this this type of ideology just makes sense, right? And so in a spiritual sense, that's what prayer is. Prayer is that shot. It's, it's the antibiotic. It's the addressing the disease of doubt that we have in our mind. Prayer is, is that every single morning, popping the antibiotic, getting our Bibles under the lamp, so to speak, and spending time with the Lord. And what I love about this is that prayer is not only something that drives out the bad, like antibiotics do driving out that bad, bad, bacteria and getting you well again, it also serves as a vitamin. It inputs the good. It's also a booster. It doesn't just get rid of the stuff. It, it gets your mind and, and sort of puts in the right things. It's a, it's, a, it's a vitamin C. It's an immune booster for your faith. And in the same way, no one claps for me as I take my multivitamin in the morning and no one should. It's just admitting, hey, like I need this. And so to make sure you're tracking the argumentation, what I'm saying is that, guys, sometimes you look at these like people that seem to have amazing prayer life, oh, they're super spiritual. I'm just like, no, they're just a realist. <laughs> they're just a realist. They're just looking at life as it is before them. and like, dang, I need help. That's it. <laughs> it's a posture of humility. And you can join in, in that right now, in that posture. So Christians are set apart by a solid prayer life. Pretty cool. All right, I'm gonna ask that the band go ahead and come up. How many people, um, kind of, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll, I need to get my words straight. I told you to lock away that idea. On this earth, the best thing that can happen, right? I got that locked away. The best thing that can happen on this earth, best thing that you could experience, that you could think of, this could be wealth or whatever it is. Y'all got it? Y'all remember it? Remember what you thought of? Somebody shout it out. Be anything. Winning the lottery. All right, you talking about like a Lubbock lottery or like a, yeah? How much money, brother? Just throw it out there. 
$15 million. All right, bro. All right, I see you. All right, who, who else? That's pretty good. Lots of money, $50 million. If I like earn that over a lifetime or even a 10th of that, I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> Somebody else? You aren't very ambitious. Come on now. What else we got? Money? Getting what? Get accepted in medical school. Yeah, that's right. And then getting through medical school after, right? Yeah. You're like, just one step at a time, bro. Easy, easy. Girls, marrying a celebrity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Become rich and famous overnight. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody else think anything else? Houses, wealth, fame, power, love. <laughs> yeah. Let's be real. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Finding the love of your life. That's good. That's good. Good things. Good things. Now, all right. You aren't really helping me out too much. Now, maybe we have a cynical group in here. Maybe more negative. What about worst thing? Somebody go for it. Don't be ashamed. Well, I mean, like, if it's really bad, maybe be ashamed. Don't say it. But like, <laughs> what you got? Ah, yeah. Losing a loved one. Yeah. Child, family member. Yeah. Somebody else? What you got, Charlotte? <laughs> yeah, that's not, yeah, for real. Yeah. I mean, hey, this is purposeful, I promise. Like, that we're being goofy, this is purposeful. She said things like human trafficking, right? How about going to jail, getting cancer, losing your job, losing everyone that, that, that you love, Right? You're basically Job, right, from the Bible. Like that you become, you become a real life Job. I wanna, I wanna paint a picture for you because what we've been going through in these marks of a Christian, actually commentators will tell you that what Paul was kind of writing, you saw it's like, rejoice, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Those were typical Christian sayings of the day. That they, like those were kind of things that they would sort of, sort of say right, to, to each other, just translated into, into our modern language. And so my fear tonight, as I was kind of finishing up prayer earlier this morning, my fear tonight for you is I was thinking, man, they're, they're gonna leave here and, and it's just gonna sound like a, a, a com, compilation of just like a bunch of different types of sermons that they've heard, like the, the truth and the power of this is gonna, gonna leave them, it's kind of go, gonna go over their heads. And you know what, some nights that just happens and we take one for the team, but I want you to lean into this reality. I want you to go back to the scenario of the best things that could happen to you, okay? I want you to think about um, that the person that's had the best things happen to them on this earth is a non-believer. And the person that's had the worst things happen to them on this earth is a believer. Okay, so let's go back up to the non-believer. Let's say that all of these things, the best things that can happen, all happen in one day. So let's say like gets the dream job, gets $50 million lottery, multiple times in multiple different lotteries. So we're looking at even, I don't know, billions of dollars at some point, right? Like gets the love of their life, gets the, gets the house, um, doesn't even have to worry about medical school because like they're rich, right? They ain't gonna worry about it. Like everything like that they want on this earth, they could have if they just ask for it everything, all right? And all of that, that happens for them in a day, just one day. Let's go over to the non-believer. And let's say again, all of the bad things you can imagine happen in one day. And so very beginning of the day, like 
walk out, walk outside. Uh, a piano has smashed their new car. All right. That's, that's the one, number one. All right. Oh man, they turn around, the house is on fire. Let's just pretend they got some horses. Okay, the horses got sucked up into a tornado. I don't know, already. like, this is like, this is like Job's story, all right? I'm sorry, Haley, I'm so sorry. It, this, is, this is hypothetical, the horses are okay, all right? The hypothetical horses are okay, all right? Then more serious note, let's say this, not, this, not, this uh, believer, <laughs> Zach Miller's losing it back there. He can't hold to it. Let's say this, this believer, they lose their spouse, they lose their their kids, they lose their whole family, their job calls, they say, you're fired. A couple minutes later, the doctor calls, he says, hey, that scan was cancer and you only have a couple of days to live. Actually, let's say you only have today to live, all right? Everything's taken away from him and the cops show up and he's wrongly convicted of something and he goes to jail, all right? Just like, I mean, he's making Job look like a lucky guy right now, right? So just a pair of those two realities. All the great things in this non-believers, they happen in one day. All the terrible things in this believer's life, they all happen in one day. And in this hypothetical day, here's what I want you to lean into. The person at the end of that day who actually had hope, it's not the non-believer. Isn't that crazy? The believer in every bad thing you could ever imagine happening to him died with hope in his heart. Maybe cancer in his bones and sadness in his soul, but with hope. You know why? Because he had the one thing that money couldn't buy because he had Christ. And so, so many of you, and, and even myself, even the things that wake us up, we are driven by, really, the things that I described over here for the non-believer. We're so driven by it. And at the end of a non-believer's life, if they never find Christ, all that they gained, <laughs> let's say that happened to them something that great every single day for the rest of their life. All that they would have gained is surpassed by one millisecond of a believer's experience in heaven. One millisecond as they enter into glory and see our Lord and Savior, King Jesus. Is that amazing? So friends, when we say rejoice and hope, we're talking about something real. <laughs> The things that you fear the most will literally have no weight. <laughs> and you'll see that so clearly as soon as you see Jesus face to face in Christ. I hope you see that tonight. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this truth. We thank you for the gospel. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for our sins and raising from the dead and, and giving us as a gift <laughs> salvation, just offering it to us freely. Gotta pray for those in this room that may not have that, that gift and may not know Jesus, that tonight you may draw them near. Gotta pray for, for some like me who, who wake up and are driven by the things <laughs> that you'll know hope eternally whatsoever sometimes. And um, Oh God, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna sing some beautiful words here in a minute. Some of us in this room need to make this a prayer. <laughs> 
God, make this true. <laughs> Some of us need to just confess it with a renewed joy because we've been reminded tonight, oh Jesus, of how great you are. You are our living hope. We pray this in your name. Amen. We hope you are encouraged by today's podcast. If you'd like to learn more about The Journey, check us out on Instagram or Facebook at The Journey LBK. Thanks for listening.